tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. <laughs> it's almost as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapters 24, 25, and 26 of Wayward Son, in which chapter 24, Baz thinks he should be more upset about breaking 11 million magical laws, because Penny sure is. But Simon is so damn happy and, like, touching him and that Baz is, like, floating on a cloud. Not literally. Baz does touch base with Penny about how fucked they are going to be back home. And Penny is, like, truly. But whatever. His dragon boyfriend is happy and flirty and touchy-feely. So whatever. That's a future problem. <laughs> um, they are still in Nebraska because the West is fucking huge and rural. And they stop because none of them have seen fireflies before. Simon's earlier jubilance has cooled, and Baz is a little bit afraid to speak up on it. Chapter 25, um, Simon, they are still driving through Nebraska, and Simon knows that they're being followed by a big-ass silver truck, which, as a Midwest queer, is like top five fears of being in rural America. Uh, Once Simon tells the others, Penny is is ready to magic whoever it is away from them, but it doesn't work. So they keep driving down dirt roads looking for a town, but it's the middle of nowhere. So there are no towns. Um, no one can really agree what to do. So Simon is just like, just speeds away. Uh, Bass is not enjoying this terrible idea, but at least Simon manages to save his mother's scarf. Simon keeps flooring the gas, but whoops, they run into some kind of magical dead spot. And since there's like no actual gas in the car anymore, they stop in front of a weird Stonehenge. Penny is freaking out because of magical and cell phone dead zone. And this Stonehenge, by the way, is actually made of cars painted gray. But that's not actually the real concern it had. It is that they can't use magic and this silver truck is pulling up to them. But they have one vampire and one baby dragon. So they're going to have to just, you know, fist fight it out. But it turns out it's just one dude and he's not here to fight. Chapter 26. Simon. Of course, just says hi back to the stranger, which pisses his friends off. But Shepard is trying to calm everyone down by being like, it's chill. I know I'm normal. I just want to chat with y'all. Um, this does not calm our trio down. It's actually the opposite. But <laughs> Shepard knows more about what's going on than they do, which is, which is that this specific part in Nebraska is so empty that it's a magical dead zone and that they are clearly out of gas. Shepard is not living there because he's sussed out that they really, really do need his help. Um, Bass thinks that they should accept this help, and Penny does not. But and Penny does not. But then two more, two more mysterious cars arrive. Dun dun dun. Yes. All right. Standard spoiler warning. We're spoiling the rest of the series, and with that, we're going to enter. Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. 
I want to start on a personal note and just say that this book and Anyway the Wind Blows have really brought to my attention that I apparently did not eat enough sandwiches when I was in England. I didn't know that England was known for sandwiches. I don't think I ate a single sandwich, but they talk so much about how bad American sandwiches are and how good British, British, English, whatever sandwiches are in these books that I'm like, I apparently missed out on something major. Okay, so I actually have something about this um, in which I don't think that you've necessarily missed out on anything. It's just that convenience store food in the UK and like, in reality, all of the other European countries I've been in is just miles better than anything you would buy, like, in a Speedway gas station. That's very true. And it's it's not full of the same weird shit. It moves quickly, so it's, like, fresher and, like, blah blah whatever. But, I mean, I wouldn't advise anyone eating a gas station prepackaged sandwich where, like, if you're, like, in the UK and you're just at a random convenience store and you like buy like a sandwich it's gonna be decent Hmm. okay that makes me feel a little bit better though i will say the level of excitement that shepherd has about sandwiches in the next book does make me feel like i've at least missed out on something and i know we're not there yet but when we do get there i think that you and i should make coronation sandwiches or whatever they're called which is apparently like a chicken curry sandwich with raisins in it which i'm baffled by but definitely want to try i'm sure it's pretty good yes indeed all right so sandwiches aside what do you have first here uh this is very topical but maybe not is i would also like penny to come charm my gas tank that sounds like a Mm. very useful spell i don't know what spell that is but yeah um I was very, I'm always very charmed by Baz. I find Baz very charming, but I was very charmed with his assessment, you know, of he's reassessing his way of thinking about Simon and Penny, where he's always been impressed by their ability to get out of situations. And now he's like, oh, you just put yourself in situations that you have to get out of all the fucking time. Like, sorry, my impressed level has gone down now that I know that you are at least 50% responsible for everything that's happening <laughs> to you. It, it is very funny. And I'm like, is I feel like also, yes, very true. Yeah, I love the line. This is what drove, this is the behavior that drove well-beloved California. <laughs> because he is true. I mean, this is part of, part of the thing. Yep. Speaking of being charmed by Baz. Really, the whole section with the fireflies. But just, like, especially him just being like, are fireflies magic? And I'm like, oh, my God. What a cute and tender moment they're all having. I know. Yes. Sorry, I'm just scrolling down to find where I had these notes. Um, I really took a moment to try to imagine what it's like to be an adult seeing fireflies for the first time in your life and even having grown up with fireflies they never stop being magical like if you go to a field and there's like hundreds of fireflies in the field even as someone who caught fireflies every summer of my life i'm still like holy shit this is magic i think even because there are no fireflies here really yeah there's no fireflies west of the rockies huh weird yeah 
That's why I got a firefly tattoo before we moved here. I was like, I think this is the thing I'm going to miss most about the Midwest is <laughs> fireflies. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, so it's been like four years, I guess, since I saw fireflies. And I feel like the first time I see them again is going to be almost to the level of our three of our trio here, the magic that they're experiencing. Yeah, I feel like I have to admit, I th- I feel like I got a little bit close to this the first time I saw a firefly in the city proper because I'd only seen them like in rural areas. And like when I was a kid, I did not remember there being fireflies like just in my kind of like neighborhood that I was living in. And yeah, the first time I saw like a firefly in my neighborhood, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it was like incredible. So yeah, I think they are magic. I should look up if there are any bioluminescent bugs here that I could maybe use as a firefly replacement. You should definitely, you should definitely check that. Um, so I really just adore that Penny just cannot help herself when Shepard is like, yeah, there's no magic here. She's so mad. She's trying to be so tough. She's like, go the fuck away. But she's like, wait, why not? Like, tell me more. Tell me everything. I just like really, really want to know the answer to this. As Simon says, like, she wants to know more than she wants to get away or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is like funny. It's, it's like very penny, but I'm also just like, you shockingly did zero research about, <laughs> about like, <laughs> like there isn't a like lonely planet for like mages. Y'all were just like, we're just going to show up. It'll be great. <laughs> right. <sighs> I, there, I don't think really any research went into this trip at all. May I remind you that she did not know that it was 31 hours from Chicago to California. That is true. Um... I'm actually, this section is pretty light for me. So I actually only have one more thing, which is, I also love in the middle of this tense scene where the three of them are in this, like no magical spot. There's some random normal is like, oh, I know all about you guys and magic. Um, Simon is still like, this car Stonehenge is fucking rad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's right. Yeah. It sounds incredible. It's to scale. It is It is actually real, by the way. Oh, no, I know. I did a bunch of research. All right, cool. Yeah. Okay, so my last thing is that Shepard asks, are you hunting vampires? Is that your mission? And Penny's like, no. And then I wrote, that's what you think. <laughs> LOLOL. <laughs> Surprise. It's a quest after all. Um. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I see a little silhouette of a man. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Who do you want to talk about first? Uh, do you want to talk about Baz first? Sure. He's just being very cute in this whole like string of chapters. Yeah. It just is it's really nice just not just because Simon and Baz are getting along much better in these few chapters than they have for several chapters previous. Um bearing on guess the last couple of chapters we were talking about. But that even with all of the law breaking that is happening, Baz is still genuinely having a good time. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, at least at this point, kind of makes this whole uh, shit show of a uh, poorly planned vacation worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also was honestly admiring his ability to just be like that sounds like a problem for tomorrow baz you know uh that's not something that i've ever really been able to do uh but i think he's doing it beautifully because it doesn't i assume look like you know ignoring the thing that's going to be upsetting later i think it probably looks like letting that into your thoughts And then saying, I see you, and right now, I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to worry about that until I'm in England again, and right now I'm not. Thank you for alerting me to this problem. I promise to deal with it later. Uh, That sounds like a really nice thing to be able to do with your functioning brain, and I love it for him. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I can do that. I can do that for like smaller things. I definitely couldn't do this for like potentially being in prison slash having my tongue cut out, which don't think he's exaggerating about that as a punishment (laughs) for all of the things that they have done. Yeah, it's probably some sort of spell, hopefully that's reversible, not literal tongue cutting out, but probably something that's, you know, very terrible. Yeah. I mean, I think that's basically what I have for Baz here. Yeah, that's what I had for Baz too. I have a little bit about Baz in the context of the differences between how he is handling this versus how Penny is handling this that I would like to talk about. Yeah. Because they really are just totally opposite. Uh, In the same conversation, we have Baz saying, get to a town we're safer with an audience and Penny being like, do whatever we want. There are no witnesses. And I don't think you could have two more different (laughs) opinions on how to handle this situation, you know? Yeah. Which continues. Yeah, because Baz wants is like, yeah, let's go with Shepard. Here's help. And Penny is just too stubborn and is like, absolutely not. And I got to say, all throughout, I am Team Baz. He is being so much more practical. And it just made me keep thinking about, oh, my God, what if the three of them had been friends earlier? How much easier would Simon and Penny's life have been, lives have been, with someone practical on their team. <laughs> yeah, it actually does make me wonder about how a lot of uh Simon and Penny's past misadventures have gone where maybe there was a more practical solution, but I mean Penny is super stubborn and I think sometimes also not also I mean and we've discussed about how her vibe is like needing to be right all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, things might have gotten a lot easier if they had been friends earlier. Yeah, I think a lot of it with her too is uh, her and Simon is this like having to be able to do it yourself kind of, you know, approach to everything. Whereas Baz, I think, is very good at manipulation in a lot of ways, which I in general don't find to be a positive quality, but it can be. And I think Baz is like, yeah, I can handle it myself, but sometimes handling it myself means using other people as a means to that end. 
Um, even if it's just as, you know, having witnesses or getting a fucking ride with someone that you don't trust when your other option is being stranded in the middle of nowhere with no magic, no idea why you don't have magic, no food, no car, no cell phone reception. Come on, Penny, get in the fucking truck. Right. It's Because <laughs> the question is, what is the alternative to hang out at the car Stonehenge until you, you guys think of a plan? A- I mean, actually... Sorry, having read about Car Stonehenge, there is a gift shop there, so they would have only been hanging out there until morning when the gift shop opened because it's summertime, but mm. they don't know that, so. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, do you have anything else about that? I don't. Who do you want to talk about next? I only have Shepard left. Yeah, I also only have Shepard. Who we get, finally, an official introduction of our fourth, fifth main character um, that we get for the this book and the next. Which is uh, Shepard, our all very knowledgeable, normal friend, mm-hmm. uh, who I have to say I think <laughs> I understand his need to be. Oh no, I cannot lose y'all. But also tailing someone in through the middle of the night for like three hours is real scary. Like, don't do that to people. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Because I'm also like, what was your what was what was gonna be your end game there? Shepard is like, wait for them to stop to get some food and be like, hi, I know I've been following you for five hours. Uh, let me introduce myself. It's, I mean, yes, that's the question, especially because why didn't he just stop when they stopped to look at the fireflies? Yeah, because you know, at that point, no one had noticed too much. Everyone's happy. He could have just been like, hey, I'm that guy that gave you buzz off at the fair. Butterflies are, or fireflies are cool. Let's talk, you know, instead of just continuing to follow them forever. Yeah. 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 So really, really no surprise that everyone is deeply suspicious and unfriendly. (laughs) So yeah, not, not off to the best start here with Shepard, even though, yes, they do now need his help. Yes. (laughs) So that was, that part was correct, but... I don't know. It's 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 really great to be formally meet him in the books, but also this is I feel like a meet ugly is kind of how I feel about <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I had forgotten how uh kind of unfortunate his entrance is. Even though like you said, I also get it, you know, and, and also understand how you know, the effects that adrenaline has on on your body and stuff and him sort of getting into a mode where he's kind of thinking of it as a game and forgetting that these are people that he's, you know, probably freaking the fuck out yeah. uh, who, who don't know that they're playing a game. Um, yeah. That makes sense to me, too. Also, not shocking from all the things we learn about Shepard later on, but just the... Also, really putting yourself in danger... Because what response do you think they're going to have besides being incredibly pissed? Right. Like that's, that is, that is, that is, that is the respect, that is the correct, accurate response that's going to happen. And it's funny because it doesn't seem like this is his usual tactic, you know? And again, why didn't he talk to them at the gas station or with the fireflies or with the pixies if he's been tailing them for that long? It's just very confusing to me that he had all of these opportunities. Uh, and 
I don't, yeah, I don't know what his objective was. Maybe he needs to, like, psych himself up or something. I don't know. Oh, maybe. <laughs> but um, glad that he's here. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, definitely. I did also just note down how much I I like his approach is not the word I'm looking for. Nope. I lost it. Never mind. <laughs> is it something about his quieting a startled horse vibe of being like, hi, hi, y'all. Yeah, that's actually really well described. Just want to talk. <laughs> and it works so well on Simon, who is like our little baby foal. Who's just... Yeah, Simon's the only one like, oh, hi. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think also makes sense to me because as we, as we get in this chapter, Simon has had to make a lot of I think split second decisions about is this person going to try to kill me or not? And so with that, I think that he is probably an excellent judge of character and being able to kind of maybe not even fully consciously just be able to be like, this guy isn't a threat to us. Right. I think reading body language, probably a lot too. Mm -hmm. And honestly, in the way that you did, you're like, oh, hi, when you were imitating Simon, it feels very much how we talk about, I don't know, a golden retriever, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think that in a similar way to where it's like dogs can tell if you're nervous, like they're reading your body language, they're reading your vibe. I think Simon is very good at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's just like, this guy doesn't mean us any harm. So, yeah, I'm going to go, I don't know, climb in his lap and wag my tail. (laughs) Right, exactly. And it probably also helps that he, Shepard, doesn't have a weapon, which I think is also probably a thing he's used to being like, nothing nothing threatening seems to be happening, and I should know. Right, exactly. (laughs) But killing killing things since I was like alone. Yeah. I really love, to the way that the fandom has embraced what the Simon Penny Bash Shepherd dynamic looks like in the future, you know, and the ways that it envisions, it being the fandom, envisions uh, Simon and Shepard's friendship specifically, I think is so beautiful and so accurate because they would be such good, goofy buddies that... Baz and Penny were just constantly rolling their eyes at, but like lovingly, you know? Yeah, Shepard definitely has no problems uh, playing like, I don't know, Super Smash Brothers with with Simon. (laughs) Yeah, and also Simon would have no problem if like him and Shepard went out and came upon, you know, a pack of some mystical dog breed that's supposed to be evil but they're puppies and they're both like oh i bet if we took them home and raised them right they would be sweet and they just like come home with like a litter of you know hellhounds yeah hellhounds great and baz and penny are like you guys what the fuck and they're like but they're babies (laughs) just sounds great look how cute this one is (laughs) right like we've already named all of them good luck (laughs) getting us to get rid of them I love everything about that. Yeah. Well, 
Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. All right, I'm going to start. I have two things in this section. Okay. So, all jokes aside, we learned in this chapter that um, you could magic your car to not need gas, mm-hmm. uh, which seems really cool. And it also kind of brings on Ooh. a question. What? No, I just realized where you're going and was like, holy shit, what a great point. And I guess this is like a sort of a bigger question that I have when you have a series like this, where it's like, do mages not care or know about the impending climate crises? Because that's going to affect y'all. <laughs> and I know there's the whole like secrecy, like we can't tell anyone, but it's like y'all couldn't just secretly magic some like fucking smokestacks and not pump a bunch of crap into like CO into the CO2 into the air, like um you're not gonna have any magic if all of the normals are dead because of climate change Mm -hmm. um and i really just need this book i'm like please tell me about witches dealing with climate change and not like just this is a very important question it is and obviously i mean you know there are often there are also like larger issues Besides just, like, there's too many cars. That's a very kind of, like, 101 uh, example. Because it's really, like, there are large polluters we could be attacking more than people driving their cars. And obviously we should have smaller cars, especially in the U.S. Because a big car is nine times out of ten not a thing that you need. It's just a vanity thing. Right. But what I'm saying is that where 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 is the line when it affects both mages and normals about not telling anyone about using a magical solution yeah this is this is such this is such a good point right yeah yeah i don't know if i'm remembering correctly but i think this is something that is another one of the things that i was just so happy was addressed in the magicians even though i think it was just a little bit it was when they were talking about what they do when they graduate i think And it's like some of them go work for, you know, firms where they can like tackle global issues and like use magic, but no one knows it kind of. And some people are just fucking weird, like Alice's parents and just like redo their home every year, you know, but even just having that small mention of, you know, there are magicians who recognize that they too live in this world and that there's at least something they can do about it without even having to out the fact that they're magic. Yeah. It's just so nice to have nodded to. Right. It's like, because you could be some witches and, oh, I don't know, disappear the giant trash island that's in like the atlantic ocean and people would be like what happened and people would be like i don't know maybe it just sank because we don't know shit about the ocean mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. it wouldn't endanger any magical people you could be like oh man that's so weird yeah maybe right. it did just sink to like the bottom of the ocean guess we'll never know yeah maybe this new plastic eating bacteria that has evolved is actually something created by a magician <laughs> Yes, it's a bacteria, quote-unquote. Exactly. <laughs> there are no magical bargains involved in this at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. On a much smaller note, I just got so frustrated at Penny's line, is there an American humdrum? Is this one Simon's fault, too? 
That was unnecessarily mean. I thought I so know. too. Like, damn. I was like, excuse me, Penny. The other one wasn't Simon's fault either. What the fuck? Are you really? I'm just so offended that she thinks that. Uh, Yeah, that's like rude AF. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What's your next thing? All right. So uh, you mentioned earlier uh baz just being like this i'll break in the law stuff that's a problem for future baz and it also occurred to me that probably part of the reason he doesn't care about this is because he's an rich old money uh like we've gotten hints about how much the pitches have done questionable things in the past and it's like i think part of it is being like being a wealthy and powerful family means that you can kind of just like be like come on top like come out on top so Mm -hmm. even if they had actually faced any consequences, which LOL, they don't. <laughs> I'm sure that they have an excellent barrister to, like, <laughs> to get Bass out of whatever the fuck issue. However, the justice system works with mages, because I still feel very iffy about even not understanding how that works. But I'm sure, you know, you, you grease some palms with some money. It's like... And then it's community service for five years or whatever, if that. I don't know, because they're both talking about what their parents are going to do to them. They're not talking about what the legal... I mean, they have... Penny has mentioned the legal system. Like, their par- her parents are going to drag her before the coven. So, I mean, Baz is pretty stressed. And he it's he's like, my par- our, our parents are going to cut out our tongues. Like, he... I think his primary concern is about, like what kind of trouble he's going to get in with his with his parents but then like they're also part of government yeah true but i th- i think he legitimately thinks that he's going to be in a fuckload of trouble and maybe that makes it easier to be like i'm going to go home and have my tongue cut out and potentially be locked in a tower for the next whoever knows how long i better fucking make out with simon as much as i can while i still can <laughs> It it would definitely not surprise me if the pitches had an actual enchanted punishment prison tower. I mean, they do, don't they? Or at least those exist in the world because Baz's cousin spent a while in one in the last book. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally see where you're coming from, but I think that I genuinely think that both of their parents would be very happy to use them as examples for future generations of, you know, wayward youths about why you don't do what they just did. Wealth and privilege be damned. They'd be like, because their primary concern is not having the normals find out about them for, you know, reasons. That's fair. I'm sorry. Now all I can think about is just Baz in a like Rapunzel tower and he's like trying to like grow his hair out. But Simon's <laughs> like, I have literal wings. I can just fly up to you. It's fine. <laughs> but you can keep growing your hair out. I didn't say that. You can still keep doing it. It looks great. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I love it. <sighs> Okay, my last thing is the line where Baz is like, I'll sit behind him and break his neck if I have to. And Simon says, do you know how to break someone's neck? I should show you before we get in the car. Oh, no. That's distressing. This is this. I think that line is what that and the amount of magical creatures that Simon kind of cycles through about like, 
I'm used to being like attacked, whatever, is I, it really kind of hits home just the amount of fighting and killing Simon has done up to this point in his life. Mm-hmm. Where he's just casually being like, let me just show you real quick how you do that, because I know you don't know. And I'm just like, okay, well, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Simon, um, a lot, a lot of a lot of trauma behind that <laughs> you have quite processed. Yes, definitely. And it's maybe a little bit like, oh, this is why you don't find uh, civilian life uh, fulfilling and find it, in fact, incredibly depressing because you're, yeah, yep, it's, it is it is deeply distressing. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Once again, it is it does not make sense that Simon cannot see the pixies as he is made of magic. Just because he can't use a magic wand does not mean he sh- isn't magical. So he should be able to see the pixies. And, I, and I'm just kind of like, I don't like it. Here's what I think. The dragon that we're about to meet says that... Simon took all the magic and he gave it all back and more. So the magic that he had that like made him a mage, he accidentally poured into the humdrum in addition to everything that he had that was creating the humdrum. Mm. Obviously, whatever magic is like coursing through his body that allows his like wings and tail to be permanent and functional is there. But I feel like maybe there's just only enough residual magic for like that purpose. Like, I think that he could get his magic back. There's still the space inside him where that magic belonged, like the right amount of magic that he was supposed to hold. But right now he, he doesn't have it because he poured it into the humdrum. Which I guess actually is maybe a good question that we will definitely talk about in next book about your well of magical ability and if that refills or not oh yeah like if the dead spots are gonna restore like chernobyl is simon's internal magic well also going to get better over time yeah i hope so or maybe him learning that he is actually a mage will like open up like maybe he just put a, a you know a seal around it when he poured it out and maybe just being like oh i actually was a mage all along is going to allow the magic to like get back into his body yeah yeah i think i think it's a conversation that we will keep, <laughs> we will keep having but yeah. yes and i think that that's evidenced what you said by the fact that simon does like baz is like simon couldn't see the pixies all he saw were lights but simon is like i couldn't quite see the pixies so it does seem like he saw more than what a normal would see but he didn't see as much as what baz and penny were seeing right and yeah i don't know i feel like it kind of feels more tragic to be like it won't replenish at some point and maybe it'll take a really long time and like maybe it, you know we're only just being like little amounts potentially but yeah i'd like to imagine that it would sort of come back in a way yeah me too um i truly love the mage's description of america 
and what we what we're about to see too of America, where there's just things beyond anything anyone ever could have imagined, because there's just so much space, and you know, this is probably what all magical ecosystems would look like if mages didn't take it upon themselves to do all of this sort of like controlling the environment uh but in the uk they very much do and they're like we we're not going to be having our like snow devils reproducing with chimeras or whatever whereas in the u.s there's like no way to stop that from happening and so you end up with snow chimeras you know yeah i mean yeah literally no way to stop it because just the geography of this of this place right exactly yeah, and actually, I also really appreci- super appreciated that. And I f- I feel like the vibe of that is also a little bit like American Gods. I don't know if you've read the book or watched the show. I tried reading the book. I don't know how to get into Neil Gaiman. That's fair. But just sort of the feeling of it's like old world magic and also like new world magic. And the things that happen are sort of un predictable and also sort of uniquely american which you can say a a lot about a lot of aspects of american culture you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh american gods does it in a more of a like thinking about the sort of god god's mythos around you know the globe but also kind of assuming that there would also be that television and internet are also gods in america because of its prevalence and so i feel like it's just always a fun thing to have uh i think in fantasy so Mm -hmm. it's nice to see it here and just imagine the mage being an american being like what in the fuck is all this fucking bullshit (laughs) yeah (laughs) makes me laugh yeah oh his disdain also partly because having a like decentralized magical society means you could not have the same total control that the mage has in the uk Right. Which I'm sure also is a thing where he's just like, it's so fucking awful over there. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's just doing their own thing. Yep. What do you have next? Okay, I know that no planning went into this vacation, but they've they've made enough stops where the fact that no one has picked up a map, a road atlas, I, I mean, obviously, you know, you cannot depend on like your phone service to be like how do i find out where i'm going but i'm sorry a map. Jesse, I, the only thing that i can think to say to you right now is okay grandma let's get you to bed <laughs> <laughs> it's the gift of the woman in the walker yes <laughs> this is like such like anyone even a little bit younger than us is like what the fuck are you talking because i i mean i had an atlas in my car until maybe like three to four years ago i don't anymore i mean same i also had a road atlas in my car until like three or four years ago and i'm saying this because i don't remember what year this is supposed to be and clearly they're not gonna they could have gone to the library and like printed out some like map quest or google map this is like 2016 or 2017 they they have smartphones like they're using google maps so which then leads to the question about penny charmed the car but not their phones to always have service which should have been i think the first thing to have done 
Yeah, she also didn't char- charm her phone to not run out of battery. So that's a very good point. <laughs> right now I'm like, Apple probably has some sort of <laughs> magic protection on their phones that stops you from being able to <laughs> hack their wireless or, they or make their batteries not die. <laughs> you know what? Um, I feel like if any company would, it would be Apple. Yeah. They have like two mages on staff secretly to be like, make sure none of these motherfuckers is getting anything free or jailbreak out of us. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. My last thing here is about Carhenge, which I think usually would go in. Is this just fantasy? But I put it in landslide because the joy that I feel about it <laughs> makes it a rant instead of science facts. Okay. Okay. I, you know... I read about this. I was like, that's probably a real thing. And then I think I probably looked it up and, you know, got as far as like Wikipedia being like, Carhenge, it's real. And I was like, rad, moving along. And then today for the episode, I looked it up and it's so much cooler than I ever would have guessed. I've been to, you know, kitschy, weird, you know, sculptures in the middle of nowhere, lots of places when I travel. This is, it's to scale. It is like a lovingly, accurately detailed replica of Stonehenge that was built just because this one dude with a big heart and a big imagination was like, I love Stonehenge. We should make a thing. And his family were like, yeah, like 35 members of his family came together and were like, that sounds great. And they all just like... (laughs) did it together apparently and it was the like it was finished and the dedication was held on the summer solstice they wrote a play wrote and performed a play for just them wow they drank champagne and read poetry and sang songs and all of this i just again for no reason other than like someone was like that sounds like a fun thing to do and i want to and it just makes this makes me so happy. I just love it so much. That is very incredible. Apparently, whenever people were like, why'd you do this? He would just go, why not? Hero. I mean, truly. Uh, I did also read about because it's to scale, like whenever there was some like eclipse that like a ton of people showed up to like watch the eclipse at Carhenge. And I'm like, that sounds magical. <laughs> That's incredible. (laughs) Including like the governor at the time or something. Like something ridiculous where it's just like, yep. That's perfect. Yeah. Have you never been to Nebraska? I mean, I would definitely definitely go to Carhenge. That seems fucking cool. It's the one thing making Nebraska not a flyover state. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've heard good things about whatever city is in. Omaha. Omaha. Is that the only city they have? (laughs) I think so. Sorry, and I mean not like the only city they have. Obviously, there are other, but like a big city. That's where Rainbow <laughs> Rowell lives. That's the one that, you know, the Counting Crows sing about. I don't know any other places in Nebraska. So, yes, it's just Omaha and Carhenge and apparently a big run fest. And the rest of the state is just cornfields. Yeah. Yeah, I think, that, I think, I think I've heard that Omaha has a surprisingly good food scene. I think that's what <laughs> I've heard. Which I feel like I've never heard of a major city having a bad food scene, so. 
Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we ask you for your support. I know that everyone is potentially tired of our aggressive asks these past few episodes, but I am transitioning this to be my full-time job because my leg is still busted uh, and I have to move soon because I live on a fourth floor walk up. And, you know, every every small amount really helps keeping this podcast running so that I can devote my time to this and not to trying to figure out how to make money at this time. Thank you, everyone who is, you know, signed up for Patreon and like Signal Boost of this. It's like super, it's super great. And I want to thank everyone from like the bottom of my heart for all of the support that you guys have done. And yeah, if you can't you know, support our Patreon, you should definitely signal boost at least for, because maybe you have wealthier friends who can subscribe to our Patreon. And as we say a lot, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, one of the Patreon perks is that there's going to be at least another 10 minutes of extra Patreon content from this episode alone of us just randomly talking about other things. Yeah, the last episode that came out was 13 full minutes longer (laughs) on Patreon than in the final episode, and it was lovely. So we're we're really making it worth your while to, you know, subscribe to our Patreon. So uh, check it out at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. Yep. Yeah. And like the lowest tier is $3 a month, and that's only $36 a year. So yeah, thanks, everybody. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Okay, my first note is, yo, Simon taking the keys out of Baz's pocket. (laughs) Yeah, that was like, yeah, it's like sexy wrestling, but also, okay. (laughs) It's, it's very hot. Yeah. Like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think this is like maybe my only sexy thing because I was just like, oh, yep. Yeah, that's real hot. What's happening? Whatever's happening. Yep. <laughs> I also found it very sexy when Baz's scarf came off and Simon fucking caught it out of the air. Hot. No, you are also correct. It's just like, <laughs> wow, that just. Okay, yeah. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. So when Baz and Penny are talking about the deep shit they're in for all of the video footage of them killing vampires mm-hmm. at the Ren Fair, they're discussing hypothetically a way to erase the internet, which Baz mm-hmm. said would require casting a holy book and sacrificing seven dragons. Which feels very specific. <laughs> very specific example. Um, and I'm paraphrasing whatever he says about what it would take to erase the entire internet. I think it's just he's being hyperbolic. The like magic equivalent of like it would take us 200 years to walk from here to there. Yeah. You know. But I will also say that I think 
that the massive power of sacrifice dragons, I think, is definitely a plus column in our theory that the mage is using some weird, you know, dragon sacrifice magic to conceive Simon. Definitely. So, because it wasn't like 20 dragons or like 100 dragons, it's like seven, which. Well, seven is the most, the most magical magically number. powerful yep. number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep, duh. <laughs> wow. Uh, what do you have? Um, I just have some spells that we use here. Uh, Get Lost is the first spell that does not work because Shepard is immune to magic, which I think is a great spell. And I love that despite the fact that the words are Get Lost, if you'd been like, what would this spell do my immediate reaction would just be like make them go away because that's how we use it is like go away but like of course it would actually make the person get lost like not know where they are wow that didn't even occur to me (laughs) right it's so funny the way that like we use a phrase and it's like this has a very clear meaning that's not hidden (laughs) yeah it's right there yeah but the way that it's used makes it have just like a completely different context in our minds. I guess that makes sense at a time where it was much easier to be lost somewhere than say currently when everyone just has a phone and it's much harder to like get lost. <laughs> True. Unless you're our heroes. <laughs> 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 um, and then our other one that we get is freeze, which I think would have been a fun one had it worked. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, does that wear off after a while? Because it would just be Shepard and his, I'm assuming his whole truck just frozen. Right. Can just leave him there unless, <laughs> and, and, unless it also wears off. I assume it would wear off. Yeah. Um, I just want to briefly mention our pixies who are having some kind of party in a field. And that sounds like a blast. I'm sure there are like psychedelics involved or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my last thing is this note that we get that Nebraska is one of the least magical places in the country for people like our trio, which I feel like now that I'm saying that out loud, I should have looked up if it has like a lower population density than say Kansas or Oklahoma. Yeah. And I, and I actually, I actually was also wondering about that too. And I also meant to look that up because I was also thinking like Oklahoma and like the Dakotas like also have a larger indigenous population that I think people like to forget when they're just like those states are empty and I'm like um no I think Idaho is an actually very underpopulated state (laughs) and I'm like less magical than Idaho even having the large indigenous populations the like population per square mile of those states is very very low yeah Like, North Dakota has the most hospital beds per capita of any state, and it's just because there are, like, so few people in the state that, like, a normal number of hospitals is, like, an overabundance of hospital beds. I would guess that, like, anywhere off of the highway in, like, most of North Dakota would probably not have magic per the magic rules of this book, which, again, I strongly dislike. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm just... Yeah, I guess maybe she looked it up, but I'm just like, I feel like there are definitely places in this country that are less populated than Nebraska, but I guess I don't mm-hmm. actually know. <laughs> are you looking it up right now? Yeah. 
Population density, right, is the one yeah. that takes into account. All right. Population density by state, actually, according to this map, looks like the lowest ones are New Mexico, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, North and South Dakota, with Nebraska and Kansas, Utah, Nevada, and Oregon, and Maine close behind. I guess that also makes me wonder about... So there's, like, obviously, like, permanent population density. Mm -hmm. But, like, specifically the example of Carhenge, like, it's a a tourist attraction. Hmm, that's such a good point. Presumably, I mean, there are very... And there are very popular, like, state parks out west where I'm, like, I'm sure it's, like, yeah, the people who permanently live in the state might be low, but, like, the population density of, like, something like Yosemite... uh, at in like june it's like you could use i'm sure all kinds of spells <laughs> just for the mm-hmm. sheer amount of people who are at yosemite national park so i mean i don't know i don't know the geography of uh nebraska as probably well as maybe rimba Rowell does having lived there and so i wonder if it's like right if you're not any you would think that if you weren't anywhere near like a tourist attraction then yeah it would be like a quiet zone or whatever, but it seems weird that a tourist attraction would be technically a quiet zone. It sure does, actually, given that Carhenge is apparently popular enough to have a gift shop. Uh, that would mean that people are speaking there like on a daily basis, especially in the summer, and it can't possibly be the case that... Well, I guess it is the case from what we see with Burning Man that like it would be magical during the day and not at night. But then why would Shepard know about it? Because that seems weird. I mean, maybe it wouldn't seem so weird. Well, I mean, you're right. It does seem weird that he would know about it. Yeah, I don't know. All right, I have, or right, I have three things okay. left. One thing is I really appreciate the detail about coyotes playing poker. As like mm-hmm. a magical creature of the United States, just because coyotes is a trickster figure in some indigenous nations folklore is definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, I'm just glad to see that here. And also a little bit LOL at the idea of dogs playing poker, <laughs> which is basically what has happened. True. Also, when I read that, it made me remember that in the last episode of this podcast you uh were advocating for baz eating coyotes <laughs> and i read this and was like oh no he probably shouldn't do that no they would be very that yeah that would be very bad things would happen yeah uh which is probably fine because i don't oh i was gonna say would be some coyote summoning spells and i'm like something from looney tunes i'm sure that's a good <laughs> yeah I also like that we get our American magical terms here in this chapter, which is, yeah, we get speakers in quiet zones for magical users and these dead spots. I don't remember if he mentioned talkers in this section or not, which is their version of normals. I don't know. I just appreciate this extra bit of world building here. Yeah, I like it too. Also, it's so much better than um, no mag. I'm shaking my head because it's literally, it's the worst. It's literally the worst. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, because I looked it up, because I'm just like, have they, they really never seen fireflies? And so I did, I did a little, I did a little searching. So, okay. 
so basically there are species of fireflies on every continent except for Antarctica. Okay. And there actually are technically two species of firefly in the UK, but because there's a, there's a ton of firefly species and they all like bioluminesce in different ways and, you know. So the ones so the, so the species that show up in the UK are known as glowworms and from what i could tell so a lot of a lot of the species in the u.s the glowing fireflies like fly around but Mm -hmm. glowworms it looks like only the females glow and they don't they don't fly around they actually don't really go anywhere they like have like a home base and they'll like be out to like buy a luminesce for a couple of hours looking for a mate and then stop for the for the evening and be done so it does make so so it does actually make sense that they're just like what is ha- what what are these flying lights because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm supposed to be like there are fireflies other places right now I feel more excited to look up what my local bioluminescent bugs are yeah because I was kind of like because I was like reading like maybe it's a cold thing but it's they're like there's obviously a ton more species in like tropical and like temperate areas but like people in Canada like have like there's a species of firefly that like shows up there and actually apparently the glowworms that are in the uk are found as far as the arctic circle so <laughs> yeah cool um but unfortunately i also found out that globally firefly numbers are in decline and they think because of habitat destruction and like pesticides and also light pollution because they're sensitive because all species are sensitive to like lights mm-hmm. so light pollution can fuck up basically all the species in various ways boo what a lovely note to end us on jesse yeah sorry i was like <laughs> i'm like oh, i should end on this like a little sad note and then i did anyway <laughs> especially because the other thing i have is like lol gun demons and i'm like that's not a good note to end on either. <laughs> oh it's true all right we're gonna end just remembering that car henge is wonderful it's it's real. You you can go there, and I kind of want to now. Actually, yeah, maybe if the pandemic ever ends, we can have like a escape from reality gathering carhenge. <laughs> that would be so cute. Oh, uh, that would be so incredible. <laughs> it's like literally in the middle of the country, so it will be equally convenient for everyone coming. <laughs> I wonder how far it is from like Omaha, which is probably where their large airport is, because I will not be taking a little tiny plane to the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. I will, I will drive there, <laughs> which will probably take an absurd amount of time. We're looking it up. <laughs> it is, in fact, six hours and thirty-two minutes. There's gotta be. Another what is, airport. What, what is the state next to Nebraska? I feel like I should know this. Iowa, Colorado, Kansas, South Dakota. Carhenge is closest to Wyoming and South Dakota. I feel like their airports are not going to be any closer than six hours either. True. <sighs> the closest regional airports are in Rapid City, South Dakota, and Cheyenne, Wyoming. The nearest international airport is Denver, Colorado, which is only three and a half hours. You know, actually, that that that's not bad. No, I mean that would make sense. I mean, I have 
extended family in Colorado? First, the pandemic has to end, so. Maybe, maybe find some, I don't know, roadside diners with whatever regional meats are available. Mm-hmm. I lo- love a regional meat product, so. <laughs> Oh, God, I really want to do this. So, you know, everyone wear your masks, get your vaccines and uh, tell your friends about this podcast so that there's enough of us to make this worth it and not just like us and our 12 biggest fans. That would be uncomfortable. Uh, Let's do it. Let's make this happen. And five years. Yeah. Summer solstice 2028. 2028? Is it 23 or 22? 22. So, 27. 2027. <laughs> Fingers crossed, Car Hedge 2027. <laughs> yes. Uh, we will be on to, like, we'll be, like, several series past uh, <laughs> Simon Snow by then. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I sent you the thing about how she's releasing a short story collection, and there's going to be a Snow Bears short story in it. This, So maybe she'll just keep randomly releasing something like that and i'll be like great (laughs) true okay okay thank you all so much for listening to this episode of escape from reality next time we're reading chapters 27 through 29 um if you're able to join us on patreon 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 please do we are at patreon.com slash the gaily prophet and it's super fun over there and we could really use your support um but if you are short on funds because inflation uh you can always rate and review us uh it helps people find our podcast you can definitely tell your friends coworkers, friends with benefits whatever about our podcast um and then you can also share our stuff on social media uh you can find us on instagram at the gaily prophet and on twitter at the gaily prophet yeah, if you listen to this podcast in Apple Podcasts and you don't follow us on Instagram, then you don't get to see the amazing episode art that I make for every episode because for some reason, Apple's like the only podcast app that doesn't show the specific art for the episodes. Um, so you should definitely make sure that you are following us on Instagram so that you can see, for instance, the art for the episode that came out today of Baz as a vampire puppet holding a (laughs) sign proclaiming the good news about small mammals i'm very proud of it (laughs) (laughs) um anyway this podcast and our other podcasts the gaily prophet are creations of hashtag ruthless productions which i forgot to say earlier but you can find out all about hashtag ruthless productions on our website which is hashtag ruthless.com did you also mention that this is edited and edited and produced by you I didn't mention that, but it's true. Um, you can uh, follow me on the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at live from Detroit. I can be found on the internet on Instagram at Lark Malachi or on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com. Or if you want to buy my tarot deck, you can pre-order it in the hashtag Ruthless shop. Which you should because it's cool as fuck. It is. There's a link for that in the show notes. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scatamoosh! Scatamoosh.